Hi everyone, welcome back to the Chronicles on the Fly podcast. This is Simon. We've got a different type of episode for you this time. We have a guest with us and that is Anthony Locascio, who is a comedian from Sydney. He's Italian slash Greek slash Aussie and a very funny guy who we came across because he interacted with us recently on our Serie A Chronicles Instagram account. Now, you'll probably remember from our last episode that Serie A Chronicles is the podcast which we are now producing about Italian football with popular UK journalists Nikki Bandini and Mina Rizuki. We kind of pinched the production of that from ESPN um, and it's gradually increasing and uh, it's our little baby that we're producing via our media production company called Media Chronicles, keeping with the brand. And uh, yeah, Anthony's a big fan of that, says that he has it uh, top of his list when it comes to football podcasts, which is a, a nice wrap. We've also been getting a lot of positive messages about uh, the podcast. So if you haven't checked that out, go and check out Serie Chronicles. We had a really good chat with Anthony. Um, obviously, you know, a lot of... Uh, similarities between us three guys and him being you know uh, Italian background he's also got the Greek half I suppose you could call it to throw in there which is um, we have a bit of a discussion about that also about his comedy uh, which you can find on his YouTube channel just search for Anthony Locascio very funny he's got an hour-long special so he's a very passionate football fan as well and just quickly on Anthony, he's got his own podcast called the Kevin Lasagna Appreciation Podcast, which is a, a football podcast, him talking about uh, the events happening around uh, European football or football in general, mixed in with uh, a lot of com comedic stuff. So yeah, go and check that out too. For this episode, we actually went to a podcast studio rather than just doing it remotely, you know, via computers. Uh, so I want to say thank you to the Hen House Rehearsal Studios in Osborne Park in Perth, uh, who invited us in for a couple of hours free of charge just to try out the studio and uh, see if we like it. So hopefully we'll use that a number more times in future. I do want to apologize for our audio. That's mine and Dom's and Mel's. We were... I suppose experimenting with some new equipment in the studio and we probably didn't get it perfect. Um, so next time we'll try to fix that. Um, it's a little bit fuzzy, but it's not, it's not unlistenable. But Anthony's audio is spot on. But let's get into the show. Hello, gents. G'day, mate. How are we? All right? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Just plugging along. I hope you guys don't mind. I'm having my coffee for the afternoon while we're on this. All right, mate. We got all got it too, mate. Thanks, too. Halfway through the episode, we'll all just get a little bit more energy and start yapping a bit more. We um, we probably should have brought the whiskey in, but uh, welcome to the latest edition of Chronicles on the Fly podcast. We're doing a sort of a crossover slash interview slash uh, chat today with uh, a special guest. But firstly, uh, we're back to the uh, the trio: Simon, Mel, and Dom. G'day, guys. G'day, g'day, Simon. Are we? We're all good. We're all good. Okay. Special uh, podcast today. We've got our first ever guest. Do you know that, Ant? The first ever guest we've had. We've been doing this on and off for like you know, a year and never even got it. Tell a lie. No, we had, we had Carl. We did have Carl. This is Carl, you left no, such a big impression. No, no, I, no offense to Carl. This is probably the, <laughs> the first actual guest we have. <laughs> Carl's family, so. 
Yeah, fuck Carl. Yeah. It's a good, good starting point, Joey. Carl, Carl just wanted to talk about Sopranos. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wrong we'll with we'll that, probably though. do that again today anyway. All right. But our first decent guest, <laughs> I want to welcome Anthony Locascio. And Anthony, I'll give you a bit of an intro, mate. You are one of Australian comedy's rising stars. That's right, ladies and, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we've got a comedian with us. He uh, blends sharp joke writing with musings on his ethnic background. Anthony is Italo Greco Aussie, best known for his unique storytelling. His career started in 2017 and he's performed with some of the best comedians Australia has, including Dave Hughes. Anthony's written, produced, performed a solo hour of stand up comedy every year since he started his career. And you should watch his hour long. Sydney Comedy Store special on his YouTube channel because it's uh, very good, very funny. Uh, he also is a podcast host. He hosts the Hack Pack podcast, but the one we really know him for is the Kevin Lasagna Appreciation podcast, which uh, is about soccer of, uh, of all brands, and uh, it's a very good one. So, Anthony, welcome. Thank you very much for that uh, rousing uh um, intro, which is definitely not written by me. <laughs> <laughs> Considering we lifted it off your website, mate. Uh, yeah, you've got you've got a creative copywriter there. That's right. It's a there's a special kind of person to call themselves one of Australia's rising stars. You know, it's it's by it's by my own metric only. Well, we can just pretend that we we said that. It's our opinion, right? Yeah, nice, nice. Thank you for having me on, gents. I'm uh, I'm I'm pumped. And uh, yeah, to to all you to all your listeners, jump aboard the Kevin Lasagna Appreciation Podcast. It's me, just talking shit about. Uh, am I allowed to swear here? Hundred yeah, percent. Excellent. I'm just talking talking shit about some of the some of the funny things that happen in football. I feel like you know, occasionally you listen to a football based podcast and you'll have the odd quip here and there, but it will just mostly be very serious. Oh, and Leicester defeated Manchester United this weekend. Blah 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 blah. But I focus on okay, this is the funny shit that happened over the weekend. No, no analysis beyond that. The first one that I uh, listened to was the one where you were just going on about uh, Kevin Musket being an absolute. <laughs> mm-hmm an absolute gentleman of the game. And uh, that resonated with me because I've always said the same. I can't stand him. I couldn't stand him as a player, as a, as a coach, as anything. And just, uh, I just, yeah, he shouldn't have existed in the world of football in my opinion. So yeah, that was a great one. <laughs> Kevin Musket. I should have said this on the episode. He's almost like a, uh, a grubby park soccer player that somehow fluked his way to the top, but he just <laughs> yeah. never, he just never stopped being that that like that piece of shit that you play against on on, on Saturday mornings. Uh, absolutely, and the funny thing about it is that if he just if he had have cut that out of his game, he was actually a half decent player. Yeah, he was. He was okay. Yeah, but the game needs you need a villain every now and then. Like I don't know, it's enjoyable to hate someone sometimes. Well, it makes for great stories yeah, and exactly. podcast episodes. I suppose. Exactly. So, like you, you, some players out there, you just you can't you can't stand them, and they've got that head that just gets you every time you see it. Kevin Musket's one of them. There's always, there's, there's always a, like Harry Maguire is one of them. He's got yeah. that head that you just like, man, I hope this guy fails in his career. And there's nothing to it besides just the way he looks sometimes, unfortunately. It's just one of those players. I'll give him credit. Great penalty. Oh, a good penalty take I'll give him that. Oh, penalty. against Italy in the final. Cracker crack penalty. Speaking of grubby defenders that are good at penalties, Sergio Ramos 
just has a, a nice enough head that you can forgive every time he tries <laughs> to break uh, an opposing player's arm. Yeah. <laughs> it's annoying when um, professional soccer players are ridiculously photogenic and good looking. It's like, come on, man! Like, say yeah, some for the rest of us. And another player that I that I hated, like, is he playing at the moment? Is that PSG? Yeah, he's he's played played, he? played, I think he played his first he game. He, yeah, he was. He's playing his first game this week or something. Well, that team needs some leadership because he's only played four games. He's only played four games this calendar year. So he only played four times for Real Madrid. Didn't get called up for the Euros of Spain, and he's yet to feature for PSG. So it's uh, it's not been a banner year for our buddy. He plays for a French team, though, so he might be in with a Ballon d'Or shout, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> Playing in the Farmers League. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Anthony, um, tell us, how, how old are you, by the way? You're not a woman, so I can ask you that. <laughs> uh, I'm 29. Yes, yes, it's, uh, it's, it's perfectly kosher. I don't have a giant biological clock ticking in my brain, so it's okay. You can ask. <laughs> Actually, I saw the clip of uh, on your YouTube channel last night about your your mum uh, talking about your sister's biological clock. I think it was something like that. That was pretty funny. Yeah, she doesn't give a shit if I'm I'm not single at the moment. But a, but a couple of years ago, I I got out of a long term relationship, and my mum just couldn't care less. She was just like, "Yeah, you'll be fine. Whatever. What about <laughs> your sister, exactly. who's four years younger than me?" Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So, how would you get into comedy? Were you firstly were you were you always you know funny as a kid? Were you the class clown at school and that kind of thing? Um. So the okay okay. There's a few there's a few answers to this question. I was a funny kid uh, privately. So in in within circles that I was really comfortable with, or you know at home, I was always very funny. But I wasn't the class clown, and I don't think that the class clown archetype ever becomes stand up comedians because they don't you know they they. They don't have a void to fill within them that that requires validation from strangers every night. They're fine. They're cool. They play footy. They're all right. It's never that. It's never that guy that goes on to be a stand-up. Um, I so I I studied law at university because my parents told me, "Oh, you're you're a talker, so that's what you have to do." And so I I listened to them. I ended up working in insolvency for a few years. So I was oh, wow. a I was a yeah, I was in liquidation and bankruptcy, oh, you poor bastard. which is just um, it's the the funnest place to be, you know. It's, the um, undertakers of the business world. Ex- exactly, exactly. Just the w- one of the slimiest things I've ever done in my life. This has been a great year for me. Uh, this is the year that I finally bit up the nerve and I quit my horrible corporate job. How do you feel about that? Nothing like the artificially generated applause. It's my favorite. It's my favorite. I was a liquidation accountant, uh, which is a funny job to do because you don't actually do any accounting work at all. What you do is all day write letters to people saying, Dear sir, please vacate your family home of 40 years by the end of the week or we will force you to. Kind regards. It's a crazy job, surrounded by money-grubbing, horrible corporate zombies, and I couldn't deal with it. I was so stressed out all the time, and the way I would de-stress is to think to myself all day, you know what, I don't need this shit. I'm a stand-up comedian. I'm gonna go tonight, I'll do the jokes, it'll go great. But that doesn't always work out. Sometimes the jokes don't go great. I hang out with the comedians, they're assholes, they don't want to talk to me, and I end up thinking to myself, you know what, I don't need this shit. I'm a liquidation accountant. I just felt that, you know, I've always loved stand-up and I always wanted to do it, but my, you know, I'm, 
my parents are born in Australia, but my grandparents, my, my mom's parents are born in Greece and they came over here and my dad's parents are born in, uh, in Italy and they came over here. And I think as a, as a second generation Aussie, you can't really go home as a 19 year old and say, yeah, look, I'm going to pursue a career in the arts. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> it's like, how are you going to make money? Again, you're going to disgrace the family. You're going to embarrass us. How are you going to make money? So it was never an option, but I, I was, I was four years into this career that was slowly just draining me mentally and, and, and on a, on a, like a spiritual level, it really was crushing me. And I ran out of excuses to not try this thing that I'd always want to try. Uh, I used to, I used to get asked to do 21st speeches for people that I wasn't even that close to friends with, but I was really good at just I'd never write anything down. I would just come up with stuff. So I, I knew that I could be funny in, in, a, in that kind of context. And the idea occurred to me to rally together 400 wogs into a theater, not charge them tickets so that actually turn up and do a one hour show and film it. Uh, I did it. It was dog shit. Uh, but... It was a platform for me to kind of continue to move through. And after about six months of kind of shipping these videos around and developing an online presence, I decided I don't have to work. I don't, I don't want to do this career anymore. I want to just focus primarily on, on stand-up. And so in 2018, I just I quit the insolvency thing and I, I've been full-time doing this ever since. You know, I've had, I've had a few different day jobs throughout the years, but... Yeah, yeah, things things are going well enough that I uh, it's 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 not it's not a dumb idea to have done it just yet. Yeah, right. So, but in the last, I suppose, eighteen months, close to two years, I mean, what have you been able to do with you know lockdowns on and off and and all that kind of stuff? So yeah, it's it's been it's been quite difficult, and um, it was uh, it was almost just the the worst time because I won't I won't go too much into it, but at the start of just before COVID hit. I was sort of supposed to go on this, the, my first kind of national tour and uh, that kind of got canned. Uh, the only thing that I've been able to do is I was promised that I could do a show, a one hour show as a, as a makeup for the, for the tour being canceled at the Sydney Comedy Store in December last year, so 2020. Um, so I basically spent the year preparing material and writing for that. Uh, luckily the lockdown in Sydney in 2020 only lasted for about a month so i was back out performing quite quickly i wasn't able to go into state obviously but i had that show to prepare for so i did it and um and we filmed it and now i'm i'm sort of trying to sell the the film to to some um streaming services which is pretty fun netflix here we come yeah we'll see man we'll see <laughs> uh this time around i was supposed to do a similar thing um, I actually, so I, I, I was supposed to do the Perth Comedy Festival last year, cancelled. Uh, I was supposed to do the Perth Comedy Festival this year. Uh, it was on. The whole, the whole festival went ahead as planned, except there was one week that uh, there, was a, there was an outbreak in Perth. And for just that one week, they shut down the festival. And that was the week that I was supposed to be there. So that got cancelled. Then they said, you can do a catch up in September. I said, great. Then there was the lockdown here. So I think Perth is kind of just cursed for me. <laughs> well, I think a lot of people have that opinion. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, I'll, definitely, I'll definitely get there next year. And then the last thing that I've, that I've tried to do because, you know, you can't chuck all your eggs in one basket. I've just been trying the podcast thing. Yeah. And um, 
I, I was doing the interviews. I was doing the Hack Pack podcast that you guys mentioned where we were interview. I would just interview comedians about about the scene and just to let people know what it's like to to be a person that pursues comedy and, and what's involved. And I just thought that it would be something fun to do with my friends. But uh, it, it has turned out to be a little bit more interesting than I assumed, which mm -hmm. is the opposite of my other podcast because I thought that the Kevin Lasagna thing would – would be very interesting to people, but it's taking a little while to develop an audience. Um, oh, but I'm just right. so I, I'm like I'm like crazy obsessed with football, and I just think to myself, this has got to go somewhere. It's a weird technological time we live in. It's an overwhelming technological time that we're in, uh, and I I know that I'm qualified for social discourse because I listen to podcasts. <laughs> So many podcasts available, whatever your thing that you want to listen to, uh, you listen to podcasts and uh, there's people talking about it. But podcasts are kind of weird. I find them weird. It's like you're eavesdropping on, on somebody's private conversation that you weren't invited to. So what I like to do to cut the tension is whenever they're finished talking about any one given topic, I'll just pause it and then audibly give my opinion on whatever they were talking about and then continue the podcast. Otherwise it'd be weird, right? It'd just be strange. Like, let me tell you about my experience on psilocybin mushrooms. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> that, that's, that's infiltrated my normal discourse, though. It's weird. Like, I, I, the lines get blurred with normal conversations. I don't, know, I don't know what's real and what's fake. I have a normal conversation with people, and I'll be like, hey, mom, I really want to keep hearing about that pot roast, but first, I've got to give a shout-out to my guys at Squarespace. I've got to ask you about the, uh, the Kevin Lasagna podcast. Now, my main yes. question is, why Kevin Lasagna? <laughs> because, first of all, I've never heard a better name in my life. I agree. Hands down. <laughs> I agree. Total. Yeah. agree with that. Um, you know, De Declan Rice gives him a run for his money in mm -hmm. terms of like a culinary-based uh, footballer, but you just can't – I mean – no offense if you guys have any mates, but Kevin is also is just the dumbest English first name. <laughs> it just it sounds it sounds like a verb, you know? Yeah. I was saying to the boys earlier that Kevin Lasagna sounds like a name you'd ask a child to make up an Italian name and the name would be Kevin 100%. Lasagna. <laughs> Uh, funnily enough, when, when we were going through high school doing, you know, Italian class, we had these books were called Avanti and and they had all these different characters. There was Dario, um, Oh, I can't remember. And, but one of the one of the male kid characters was called Kevin, and he used to he used to always say Mickey, I'm Kevin. <laughs> and I back then I used to think why why are they giving this kid Italian kid supposedly the name Kevin? Like it used to blow my mind. And then comes along Kevin was on your podcast, but I, I had I had Avanti too, and I did Italian at school. Um, but but I, I think maybe they had um, recast Kevin by this point in the series, <laughs> but um. Yeah, there's there's this thing in Germany as well, which I mentioned on one of the earlier episodes. That's called Kevinism in Germany, where they make fun of anybody anybody that anybody that kind of appropriates American culture or, or, or feeds too much into American things as opposed to European things. They call them a Kevin, and it's Kevinism. So I don't know if the two are related. Well, that's that's a huge thing in Europe, but especially in Italy. And you know, if you listen to you know, if you watch Italian soccer on on Ray or whatever. All the all the English words that they use, corner, tackle, offside, it really grinds my, my bones, you know, it gives me the shit. Because there's Italian equivalent words for this. Why can't you just use them? But they just love to, to pepper in the English words, don't they? I love cultural dungalow. It's just so, <laughs> yeah. so basic. 
the, the other they use all the time is um pedicalorsal. They always say pedicalorsal, right? That's Italian. Yeah, but they all like it's it's like their go to description for every situation is dangerous. Yeah. Pedicalorsal. I, lo- I love I love when they say you know you know players in an offside position in posizione offside. <laughs> Yeah, Why can't you just say so forty good. joker? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's probably just trying to appeal to a, a wider mass. Is really yeah. what it is. The know. fact, look, I'm more annoyed that they do like the Coppa Italia in Saudi Arabia than them calling offside, offside. Like that just seems weird to me. Why play a continental competition in another country? That's just like I don't know, in another in another um, yeah, um, continent. Well, country. Why do you think? Because no, of money, of oil course it money, is. mate. It is, but that just seems like. When you talk about, you know, if you can't, you know, they whinge about Super League and you can't be bought, like things can't be bought. And I was like, but you're doing it consistently and the hypocrisy is just baffling. Like you, 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 you're hypocrites yeah. about it all the time. It's a waste of time and it's a, wa- it's a waste of the players' times. And thankfully this year, um, they're doing it at San Siro. They're doing it at San Siro in January. Uh, it's Inter Juve and... Uh, you ever have to play Napoli like three or four days later, something like that. So they're not happy about it, um, it being played at San Siro either, but it's so much better than Saudi Arabia. Oh, you're obviously a big Juventus fan, right? Yes, unfortunately. How'd you, how did you become a Juventus fan? So my dad really indoctrinated me quite young. Um, I think with, I mean, I, I, I stop me if I'm wrong, but I can imagine that you guys are, uh, somewhere within the uh, Calabria, Sicily, Napoli. Uh, Calabri- Calabresi. Mm-hmm. These two, are, these two are brothers. Dom and Dom and Mel brothers. They're Calabresi. Okay. With a, a little sprinkle of Sicilian yeah. somewhere in the ancestry. Come on, you have to admit it. It's a grain of salt. Yeah. Whereas I'm I'm full full Sicilian. It's very watered down. I'm full Sicilian on both sides. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Um. Yeah. So so my my family's full Sicilian as well on my Italian side. Uh. And um. I just think that the de facto Sicilian team, but but you you would probably tell me a little bit different, um, is is the, to just be Juve fans because um, yeah, my nonno my nonno was a big Juve fan yeah. and, and my dad was as well. But I I was not a football fan at all as a kid. I hated it. I was not interested um, until maybe about the two thousand and two World Cup, and then I and then I finally got sucked in. But yeah, he indoctrinated me. To be a U of F fan, and it was just it was game over from there. So, as a kid, did you go watch Marconi or Apia or which team would nah, have been in? I refused. Yeah. As as a little kid, I refused. I didn't want to be dragged. Uh, my dad made me play under fives and under sixes. I hated it. I was one of the I was one of the kids that pulled out grass and collected sticks and shit like that. And then, um, yeah, something just something just happened uh, that that just clicked in my head. I think to, to to be honest, if if I can get a little uh, a little vulnerable on your podcast, given that we've just met, but I think when my parents got divorced, I wanted to get into soccer a bit more to be a bit to stay close to my dad. I haven't I haven't done the mental arithmetic yet to figure it out, but that that seems like it could could be the truth. Yeah, I mean that's that's nice that you mentioned that. That's the beauty of football, I think, because you know you you really generally you take after who your dad went for, right? Generally. In, in the general sense. Not in your case. Not in my case, but, you know, my two brothers, my dad is a U of a fan, my two brothers are a U of a fan. Their dad is a U of a fan, they're both U of, these two guys, they're both U of a fans, right? I'm a little bit the black black sheep of the family. Not so much these days, but I was, I was as a kid a bit. So I went against the grain. My first introduction really to, to football was 
my uncle who lived in Rome from Sicily, but lived in Rome. He was a sales rep for Barilla, obviously the, you know, traditional sponsor of Roma shirt back oh, in the eighties. Beautiful surname. Sent over Roma shirts for us. And I was like, what, five, six. So bang, I'm a Roma fan. But then came along Italia 90 and I, and it was really cemented because I fell in love with Giuseppe Giannini. As soon as I saw him play, that's it. I'm Roma for life because I just thought he was the most stylish, elegant player I'd ever seen. Um, and still to this day, he's my, my football idol, maybe alongside uh, or maybe just a little bit above uh, Roberto Baggio. What about Totti? Yeah, I was going to say, what about... No, no I'm, I'm, I'm a bit different. I'm, I was always... I always preferred Del Piero to, over Totti as a player. And you love Batistuta. So, so you're a smart man then. Oh, I mean... There's a huge Roma-Juventus rivalry. It's, it's almost as big as the Roma-Lazio di- uh, rivalry over in Italy. But, hey, I'm not in Italy. I don't live that rivalry. This is the way I, I, I suppose, uh, you know, uh, explain it to myself. You know, I grew up in a family of Juventus fans. So Juventus was everywhere, right? And it was a struggle for me to get any, any Roma word in, maybe, I suppose. But I do have a, a bit of a soft spot for Juventus because I can see... You know, they're a team to be admired. Everyone hates them, but why do you hate them? You hate them because you want to be them. But also, so this is, this is, my, this is my absolute Juventus elitism. Um, we're so, you, you, you guys seen Mad Men? You know, that, you know, mm-hmm. that, uh, you know that, that scene in the elevator where the guy says to him, I, 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 um, I feel sorry for you. And he says to him, I don't think about you at all. Yeah, I think that's kind of how Juve are with the rest of the. the I I personally, uh, no offense, but I personally see every other team other than Inter as just a Juventus feeder academy. You know, because if there's a player that's good enough, we'll get him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Roma definitely are because you. I could probably list you in, in in you know in in twenty seconds. I could probably come up with close to ten players that have gone from Roma to Juventus that have pissed me off. Exactly. Because if they had have stayed, what what might we have had, you know? But Roma needs the money. Different circumstances. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a big shame. I can I can think of specifically when when Luciano Moggi was in charge and Roma won the Scudetto, the last Scudetto they had. Juve just pinched Emerson and Capello from Roma and just said, thank you very much, we'll have that. Who else <laughs> went? I think Zabino went, not that he was a great um, player, but you know, he was a Scudetto winner and then he went to Juventus as well. For an absolute useless right back, he had a pretty decent career in Serie A. Zabino. Well, he had a decent year, the, the, the year of Roma's Scudetto in 2000-2001. So and know. just coasted off that forever. Yeah. <laughs> I also think about a few years ago when U of S two closest rivals in the league were Napoli and Roma, and U of S just bought their best players. Yeah. They just pinched Higuain and yeah. Pjanic and just said, all it's right, kind of like good luck. it's kind of like Mercedes in the Formula One at the moment. Well, not it's got a little bit closer this year with um, Red Bull and other teams. But you know, in the in the past five or six years, it's just been you know just Mercedes. And oh, bar, you know, bar 2018 and, when Ferrari stuffed it up. And what and the last you know ten years, nine Juventus Scudetti, Scudetti in a row. It's just been you know, it almost makes you lose the interest in the sport when it's like that. Maybe not for you. Or almost. That's that's one of the things. While I, I I like being a Roma supporter because I I believe it's more romantic to have the heartbreak, or to have the struggle 
You know what I mean? Rather than the expectation that oh, if we don't win this Gazette this year, it's a failure. Whereas if you're coming from from being a Roma or Napoli or you know who who else could you say um, Lazio or even supporter, you know that that between third spot to seventh spot kind of expectation. That's what you're hoping for to get the European spot, basically, and you know maybe maybe nick a, a Champions League qualification. That's really the level that, that you're always at. When you do eventually win a Scudetto once in, in, in 20 years or whatever it is, if that, I mean, there's a reason why they say winning a Scudetto in Rome is worth 10 in Milan or, or Torino. You know? It's true because... Yeah, Francesco, Francesco Totti has, has said that. Do you remember everything that happened in the last 10 years of Juventus Scudetti? Of course you don't. Uh, I mean, if, it's I, all if diluted. I really thought hard, I would. But if you were... If You'd you have to go into some YouTube highlights and, and, you know, look up on Wikipedia probably to jog your memory. Whereas 100%. I could tell you plenty that happened in 2000, 2001 with Roma And I'm not saying that's, you know, that's a great thing, you know, that it's better to be a Roma fan. Of course I would love more success. And Roma should have had more success if they would lose a bit of the mentalità romana, let's say, because that is a real stumbling block, right? They, they trip themselves up, you know? They should have had probably three or more, three or four Scudetti since they won the last one. But, yeah. Uh, I would have, I would have, I think the entire nation was rule, was uh, rooting for Roma towards the end of the 2000s when Inter were just untouchable. Yeah. Uh, they had some really nice teams back then. 2010, the year of, of, of Inter's uh, triplette, which is such a fake yeah, hat trick, right. if you ask me. It's only a Calciopoli, you know, treble, let's be honest, which they had the major part in and got untouched for. Hey, you don't need to, you don't need to convince me. Oh, man. <laughs> this is why I hate that club so badly. <laughs> They're such hypocrite bastards. Uh, you know, that, that year, Roma should have won the Scudetto. They tripped up against Sampdoria away and then it was all over, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, Pazzini scored two goals, was it? Was that Pazzini? And Cassano playing for them as well, you know, just to rub it in. Yeah, just to rub it in. <laughs> I love Cassano. I did, a, I did a special on Cassano. He's just pure entertainment. Oh, I haven't heard that one. I'll have to check that out. He's, he's actually, he can come up with some good stuff. I don't know if you ever watch uh, the Bobo TV uh, that that he does with uh, Christian Vieri, Daniele Adani, and you know, Nicola Ventola. So the four of them do a, a, yeah. a YouTube and Twitch uh, show. It's, it seems like it's on every day, but they they do have some good commentary when I catch some of it. Oh, he he's he's full of shit, but he he's just always entertaining. They asked him a few years ago why he never played for Juve, and he said something along the lines of. It's a beautiful woman that just doesn't get me hard. Mm-hmm. I, think I think it's more the other way around that they wouldn't touch a uh, a basket case like him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's definitely the truth. But it's nice that he thinks that, you know. Yeah, Casano's one of those interesting ones. He still goes on about how good he could have been even after he's been, which amazes me. I'm like, you, you, like you were, you already had your moment, but he still goes on about, yeah, if I tried a little bit harder, I would have been amazing. And I'm like. Well, you didn't know. So. A lot of players say that after yeah. their career ends. It's, yeah. it's basically they're, they're voicing their regret. Yeah. yeah, it's essentially what it is. But he, like, if you ever watch his first goal for Bardi, like Cassano, he's an am- amazing yeah. goal. Like, it actually yeah. is an amazing goal. I'll give him that. Right? That, that created yeah, that right? that's, yeah. what's, that's probably the reason Roma bought him. Yeah, after that whole thing. And, and he was great linking with Totti, but then he just lost the plot, and so they had to get rid of him. 
uh, it's, it's a fine line though, because it's a fine line between being like, you need that arrogance to be a top player. There's, you need to believe you are the best, right? But it's a fine line between being arrogant and just being a dickhead. Yeah, being a dickhead. And, yeah, and, and he's cro- he crossed that line too many times, right? Okay. And that's the whole thing. And it's it, it, like, there's a special, there's a, there's, it takes a special person not to be able to cross that line, to understand where that line is and remain still part of a, like he'll blame the club and not himself and stuff like that. And that, sometimes I'm like, mate, you got to take some responsibility and know what's on you. But that's Cassano. Cassano is always, yeah. it's their fault, not mine, sort of thing. Similar to Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, Where's the team's fault? I, I know, but Lewis is a bit different because really he's only competing with one other car for the last five years. It's a lot easier to compete against one other car than another eleven people on the pitch or whatever it is that you're dealing with. So, you know, there's that scenario. But it's it. Like, he was he had the opportunity to do whatever he wanted to. And he just it would be like Balotelli, mate, too busy doing life, didn't right. worry too much about the football. One one thing you said before, Anthony, about about football cod, football podcast, how you know. They can be so boring. They're just talking about you know, the result and what happened. They just recount what happened, that kind of thing. I totally agree, right? Like there are so many football podcasts and then so many Italian football podcasts. And maybe this is a little bit of elitism for me because we, we kind of produce a, a football podcast. But part of the reason why we grabbed, uh, you know, the hosts to, to do our podcast, Serie A Chronicles, is because of the shit that was out there or still is out there in, in Italian football Podcast commentary, it's so drab and so the, the production value of it is so pathetic. Like you can't listen to it. They sound like they're in the bathroom and they just, they just talk <laughs> shit. You know, there's nothing interesting about it. I was, I was just driving, driving here today. I had one, you know, down the freeway. I put one on and I know I don't listen to them anymore because I just concentrate on the one that we do. Um, but I just, I decided, you know, I thought I'd, I'd listen to one. Uh, I won't mention it because I don't want to rubbish anybody. Man, I got through. I got five minutes in, and I just went, "No, I'm done." <laughs> like, I'm so glad of, um, you know, with having Nikki and Mina, because they're, you know, a little bit flamboyant. They go off on tangents, and they, you know, they they laugh and they're sarcastic, but they're quite knowledgeable as well. And as you know, I got a message from a friend yesterday saying, you know, I was listening to you know, saying he was saying that he was listening to some other podcast, and you know, he couldn't handle it anymore because they're they're so boring. And, um, and you know, that what we're doing, we've got a really good product. So yeah, you are definitely right. The, you know, the podcast landscape is a little bit drab when it comes to Italian football. Well, I, I completely agree with you, which is why I was so excited when I saw that City Art Chronicles was starting, because not, not only do I just love, uh, Nikki and Mina, I mean, for the last, I don't know, four or five years, whenever I've seen any other podcast that features one of them. As a guest, I always make sure to listen to it. Right, and I was always the same. I would always listen to those two. But yeah, those two, I, I would always listen uh, listen to their podcast, whatever they were on, and I still do. Even though they're, you know, they're on our podcast that we produce, I still listen to them when they're on on the other podcast. Um, but yeah, I think they're they're great. They're great football minds. Yeah, a hundred percent. And if anything, it's an ad for you know for Seti R Chronicles that they go on a different show, and you know new listeners like Nikki's opinion on the Guardian podcast and think, oh, who's this person? I like I like listening to her. Then they come over and they become new listeners. So it's uh, you are also saying that you know about trying to grow a podcast like you know your Kevin Lasagna Appreciation podcast. You know, it is 
it is hard. It's, it is a real hard slog. And, and even though we've got two hosts who are pretty high profile in, in, the, in the football commentary and, and punditry world, it's still such a hard slog to grow it. It's amazing. I thought it would be, I thought it would take off faster than it has. And it, it is on an upward trajectory each week. But it, it is hard to, to get the listenership up. Um, but the comments that are coming in is like people are blown away about how good it is, um, but still hard slog to, to get it to where they had it when it when it was done by ESPN, because they were getting you know they were in the ESPN FC feed, right? So they were in amongst all their other podcasts, so they're getting crossover listening, listeners, and they were averaging about thirty thousand downloads for the, for the Siri Awesome podcast as it was called then. Wow. Week. Yeah. So that's where I wanted to want to get it because I know that that's the pen- potential of it. But yeah, we're we're a bit way off there. Well, thankfully, they you know at that point they had the backing of ESPN, so it's a completely different yeah. monolith. But Serie Chronicles is just objectively better than Serie Awesome, just because Matteo Bonetti is not on it. <laughs> American football commentators. Yeah. He just annoys me. I don't. Ah, oh, fuck it. I was just saying. He annoys me. I don't, <laughs> I don't like. I don't like. I don't like. He just gives me virgin energy. I'm sure he's not a virgin, but he gives me virgin energy. And I don't, he's all. He's all right. There's, I think he's all right. I think there's far worse than him. In my opinion, obviously, I think there's far worse than him. If we're going to say that he's not great, but because um, we were actually, we're we're tossing around whether we can get him on as a guest at some point. Right? Oh, all right. We'll edit this out then. So, Matteo <laughs> Bonetti is a legend. <laughs> legend. Legend. I've, I've, I've rarely seen any Italian-Americans talk about football any better. Although, I must admit, I don't know if you guys are around the uh, the I, IFTV guys. I don't know if it's competition or not allowed to talk about them or whatever. But they're cool. I don't mind them. They're, they've got character. I mean, to be honest, I don't see anybody as, as competition. I think that there's enough ears out there that, everyone should kind of help each other out or, or talk each other up, to be honest. And, you know, if I say, if I say I think a podcast is shit, I'm not going to name that podcast. But in general, <laughs> in general, the more that people are out there talking about Serie A, the better it is, right? Because, you know, well, what's the saying? Uh, high, high tides lift all boats, right? you gotta, you got to look at it that way. Have a, a, an abundance mentality about it, I suppose, right? Obviously, you want to be, you want to be the top one, but... To that point, um, it's so my, my friend ran a podcast a few years ago, and he always used to, this is when we first started comedy. And he always, his podcast was about nothing, you just interview people, and it would just be what's your life, and he would just try and find interesting people. And yet, somehow, just by through sheer perseverance and through just putting in the, the months and years of work, the audience just grows. So, it's not about having it's not necessarily about having a, uh, a particular niche that just explodes. It's time put in. It's, in it's continuing to produce, continuing to put in the work and producing quality things. You know, I, I did an episode a few weeks ago where I was just so hungover and it was the worst thing yes. that I've ever done. But good podcast. You know, <laughs> you're honest. There. I, I appreciate that. It was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least you got out there and did it on a on yeah. a rough day. That's the important thing, isn't it? Get back on the horse. Oh, it was it was it was rough, but but yeah, got to got to give the people what they want. But but it is so. I'm I'm actually thinking about rebranding the Kevin Lasagna podcast, giving it a different name because my my idea at the start was that Kevin Lasagna is such a um 
it's such an in joke among football fans yeah. mm-hmm. that yeah, right. it, it would it would make anybody that's a dedicated football pan, fan see it and go, okay, what's this? Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is that most football fans globally, you know, it, it's it's the most globally visible sport, which means the proportion of absolute idiots that that are football fans is much higher than anything else. And I wouldn't be surprised if the vast majority of football fans had never heard of Kevin Lasagna at all. So it's kind of working against me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of weirdly named podcasts out there that, that do well. I mean, when we were naming Serie A Chronicles, we were initially tossing around. Ideally, what we wanted to do was keep Serie Awesome because that's what it was called on ESPN. But we thought, you know what? I don't want to get a letter from the lawyers. So... We're gonna we're gonna start as a rebrand, you know, as a, as a reboot. Um, so we were initially gonna call it Cultural Chronicles, and the reason why is because that's our, that's the name of that's been the name of our WhatsApp group with you know five or five or six of us friends and brothers and that for you know close to ten years. So calling the the podcast Cultural Chronicles just made sense. However, then we then I was discussing with Nikki and Lena. All right, what's what's more searchable? Culture or Serie A? If someone's looking for something uh, to do with Italian football in the English-speaking world, it's more likely that they're going to type in Serie A. So that's why we went with Serie A. 100%. And the Chronicles, 100%. just because that's, I suppose, you know, our production company's Media Chronicles, which is just a brand name. I suppose. It is also Stuck hard sometimes because you're, you're looking... Like, they talk Serie A, which is like, you know, we follow Serie A, right? But there are times like, like Nikki is obviously also an Arsenal fan. Mm. Often she'll just mention little yeah, things she, about she's that. She's actually said she doesn't really have an Italian team. Yeah. She probably leans closer leans to towards Inter, Inter because her, her family. family does, but really she doesn't care yeah. too much. But like you, like when you think of the Serie A Chronicles, you think it's just going to be Serie A. And it's really hard to say, well, yeah, they talk other things as well, but generally that's the focus. And like same with the, your Kevin Lasagna podcast, like, you talk a lot about English for Premier League, and I watch English yeah. Premier League. I watch a bit of Spanish here and there as well. Um, but I, I generally always watch English Premier League in the, the Italian league, and so kind of I I appreciate that. But it's very hard to, you know, have that where you, you're drawing from both crowds because it's not. I don't know if there's how often you can pull someone from a, a Premier League listener to a Serie A listener um, in in one sentence. If that makes sense, it's very hard to join the two. Un- unless you're the BBC or the Guardian yeah, exactly. or something like that, you know, a, pu- a major publisher, mm-hmm. exactly. you, know, or, you know, and then you've got like the Euroleagues podcast, for example, something like that, yeah. which, you know, is about European. So you're, you're casting a wider net. But I, but I'll listen yeah. to Anthony's podcast and I know he's talking about, like he spoke about Newcastle. And that was a good one about Newcastle. Ha- mm-hmm. His hatred of Newcastle, which I kind of appreciate. I thought that's kind of there. Um, and, and things like, oh, well, do you, do you even have a, a Premier League team? Would you say you're, you're aligned to someone? Yeah, I do, but I'm scared to. I'm scared to admit it. Oh, uh, yeah, you should be. So you should be. This was, this was, um, this was where the indoctrination ended for my dad because he's just a crazy Liverpool supporter, and he tried to, you know, he bought me all the Liverpool jerseys, and as soon I, I fell wholeheartedly in love with Jose Mourinho's first Chelsea team, oh, and since then I've champion. just been, I've been a Chelsea Ch- yeah, supporter. Chelsea. Oh, I, just I, just, I just I just don't have an English team. I, I don't Zola. mind watching. How can you not love Zola when he's yeah, a Yeah, but they're not there anymore. Viali. But the minute sure. he's yeah. gone. But you're saying that. Something grabbed you as a kid, Janini. Grabbed you as a kid. 
Yeah, but then came Totti as well, so yeah, it was pretty easy to stick in. Uh, <laughs> sorry, 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 mate. Sorry, then went to, to Chelsea and, and um, Crespo and stuff know. like that, which uh, all look, is Serie A. I grew up in an Italian household, so to, to say that I'm a fan of an English team, when there's such a big... I grew up playing soccer against Poms, and the Pommy teams with the Pommy kids were our biggest rivals. And I'm going to go and support one of their teams? Oh, fuck, no way. <laughs> I, I like watching it. I, I like, you know, I like watching the highlights. I, I you know, look at Mo Salah. He's probably the best player in the world at the moment. Another one we had to let go. Oh, unbelievable. unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but I, I just, I just, have, it's never computed in my mind. How can I see, call myself see, I, a fan of an English team? I understand that. But then Chelsea played Juve in the Champions League three weeks ago or something like that. And I was clearly gone for Juve. Like, I, that wasn't even a, yeah. it, it wasn't a, a battle for me at all. Like I clearly have a Juve favourite, but Juve doesn't play the Premier League. I will get, I will concede the year of Leicester's title was that 2016? Yeah, yeah, they won it? 2016. Right. I was rooting for them because obviously Ranieri, the coach, right? Former Roma coach at the time, post Roma again. Romano, Italian, romantic story of, you know, a minnow, an yeah. underdog. Yeah. I was, I loved the way they played. I thought they played some beautiful, one, two touch football, quick movement on the carpet. I just, you know, Vardy finishing off great goals. I loved that season of watching Leicester. They were fantastic. Also had one of the greatest names in football, Danny Drinkwater. <laughs> Bevel Aqua. <laughs> Bevel Aqua got shot by Tony Soprano. <laughs> Danny Drinkwater goes into the football lunchbox with Kevin Lasagna and Declan Rice and those guys. Classic. Danny Drinkwater. Can you think of anything more like simplistic for a footballer but I, I don't know if we're about to mention the same thing but there's a the you know I, I don't know if we're allowed to talk about the sopranos after your last <laughs> uh, podcast but uh there's uh there's 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 matt bevelacqua in um in yes. uh in the sopranos who's another drink order yes yeah, i, I think he, he yeah. flip-flops he flip-flops in the show but he goes by drink order at the start then when he starts getting in a little bit more with the uh with the Tony Soprano crew, he goes by Bevilacqua, and then once he, once him and the other guy shoot Christopher, and he's on the run, he goes back to Drinkwater again. Is that, is that really what happened? I recall the Drinkwater yeah. reference in, in the show. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, whenever he introduced himself, when he was, you know, he's you guys remember the characters it's him and this other guy, and they're just like the young up and comers. But I've watched the series probably six times over. So it's it's probably silly that I don't know that I didn't realise. I actually haven't order. finished watching the series. Mel hasn't finished watching it. What a clown! Cool but amazing. Uh, 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 I won't. I won't. But I, you can spoil it because I I just keep reading about it anyway, so I know all the spoiler. Like, He's seen the last thing. Where are you up to, Mel? Where? Ah, uh, where are you up to? Probably season two, episode ten or eleven, somewhere around there. Okay, so may, may, maybe just. Well, e- either way, so there's there's Matt Bevilacqua and there's Sean, the other guy, mm. and they're always going up and brown nosing to the to Silvio and Paulie. They're always going up to these guys and and introducing themselves and they're like, oh yeah, we met last week. Matt Bevilacqua, drink water, and he always he always makes sure to to, to give himself that. And then there's the scene where they're playing poker and Silvio keeps spilling the, the cheese. cheese on his. Yeah. And his feet, and and Tony tells Matt Bevilacqua to go and clean it up, and Silvio just loses his mind at him. It's it's they're they're really funny those two. Silvio, I stuffed it into my socks. It smells like your sister's crutch in the morning. 
Yo, get the gravy, get so the gravy. Uh, I was just watching a YouTube clip of that one uh, the other day. They're always popping up on my, the algorithm just knows YouTube. So Actually, the, it shows, uh, yeah. shows me Sopranos clips all the, the time. Fourth on, is it the 4th of November? The, the movie, Many Saints in New York. Yes, I've seen out. the movie. Have you seen the movie, Anthony? I have not. Okay. I won't spoil anything. I was supposed to go and watch with a group of mates, but they decided to betray me and stream it a few weeks ago. So I, uh, I'm probably going to go and watch it in the cinemas by myself at some point. Is, is it on stream on Netflix? Uh, no, but I've seen it. Okay. You can you can illegally download it. I would yeah. never do such a thing. How dare you accuse me? <laughs> never, <laughs> never. But I've seen it. Uh, I've seen it twice actually. I watched it the first time on my own, and the second time together with my wife. And yeah, I'm still confused. I'm still okay. undecided. I, I won't give anything away, but I'm just. Truck. What's that? What's that? I said the the didn't get it illegally. The movie just fell off the back of the truck. Yeah, the DVD landed in my little box. Did it have one of those videos right. with the guy standing up and walking across the screen during the during the film? No, 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 no. I've just got connections in the studio. I know David Chase. Um, but yes, yeah, so I've watched it twice, and I still don't know whether it's a good movie. I I I don't know whether it's absolutely shit. Or whether in ten years' time we'll still be talking about it as a brilliant movie. I just, I don't know. The fact that you watched it twice, it can't be really shit because there's not many films. No, because, that would, go, yeah, because shit would you watch Coming to America two twice? <laughs> there you go. Let me ask you that one. It's the It's it's related to the Sopranos, which me and my wife love. I mean, me and my wife watched this. You know, we were binging Sopranos on our honeymoon. At, mm. you know, at, we as well, things on your honeymoon. <laughs> yeah, you know, twenty four seven. But we were. <laughs> You know, that's how much we love Sopranos. We, we, we've probably watched The Sopranos twice over together. I've probably watched it six times over you know, the whole series myself. So, of course, we were going to watch this movie together. That's why I watched it the second time, so that I could watch it with her. The first time, I couldn't wait for it. I couldn't fathom watching something shit twice. Like, uh, you know, must, you must acting, have been shit. The acting is actually pretty good. The main, the main character who Ray plays... Ray Liotta, isn't it? <laughs> the main the main character who plays uh, Dickie Moltisanti is really a good performance, but whether that's um that's Alessandro Nivola, yeah, yeah, he's he's really good. He was uh he was in I don't know if you guys remember the original Goal with uh, Santiago Munez. Yeah, classic. That was my high school moment. He was Alessandro. Alessandro Nivola was the uh, was his mate slash rival at Newcastle United. I can't remember the name of the player, but he played the the sort of Alan Shearer figure at Newcastle, and then they became good mates and they went to. I know you appreciate the humor in football, but I'm pretty sure it was about a couple of months ago where Newcastle signed a player from Mexico called Santiago Munoz, and I was like, amazing. This, this could not. This, this is amazing. Is he eventually going to get transferred to Real Madrid? I, I, I so hope so. This happens in real life. Santiago. Playing at Santiago. Oh, it, no, but it was just, it's like, what are the odds that they created a film and then 15 years later, they sign that kid with the same name to Newcastle? I haven't United. seen the film. Oh, the film's rubbish. Don't worry about it. It's, okay. You're not missing anything out, right? It's, 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 it's pretty it's, bad. It is a crook shit, right? Like, right. You, you would not watch it twice. I'll put it to you that way, Simon. Okay. <laughs> And, so, and then, and funnily enough, right? They made three of them. I don't know how they funded the second two after the first one. There you go. Because football movies do not work like they do gridiron, not work. like no. gridiron movies. They don't work like that. So it's just not the same. Just it, I don't know. There's not many football movies that you could actually say 
All right, that's a real good movie, right? Yeah. Um, you know, what are you going to do? Bend a lie back in. Great, the, right? the best, the best sport movies are probably baseball movies. Like Gridiron. Right? Any given uh, Sunday. Okay. Yeah, better remember the titles. I, I, I get that. Uh, the bl- the Blind Side. Yeah, yeah. Field of Dreams is one of my talking about Ray Liotta. Yeah. Goal, goal, goal. The first one was just globally so popular. It was, it's a shit movie, but it was, it, it did so well the first one. And I think off the back, off the back of that, they made the the. I watched Goal Two. I never watched Goal Three because Goal Two was just dog shit. But it was cool because. <laughs> They had cameos from from Beckham and Thierry Henry and Zidane. It was it was pretty cool from that perspective. It, that's my and you would have been yours too. Like high school, that came out when I was probably in high school. That was yeah a big and yeah. so that was kind of a big thing. But even back then, it was it was rubbish. But it was just cool to see something about football. That was the main you know, mainstream movie. Because all the movies at the time were all gridiron movies or baseball movies or something like that. And that was probably one of the few that were different. And like you still look back now, and it actually probably got worse than I remember. So I watched some segments again, and I was like, Phew. "Yeah, I don't remember it being this shit, and it was shit back then." So did you ever? Did you ever play soccer, Anthony? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and theoretically, I still am playing, even though the last two seasons we've just this season we had three or four matches and then cancelled, and last year the start of it was not on, and then we had maybe an eight game season. So yeah, I, I play, um, I'm, I'm not the best, but my goal, I, I'm, 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 a, I'm a work, I'm a worker. I run up and down the wing all day long. And my goal is to just not retire before my dad. <laughs> uh, so he's, he's 56. He's still going. Well, wow. so I've got to keep going. Good old Sam. So you play for Piemonte Caltro on FIFA 22. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! The, the bane of my existence. You see, I'm not what you would call a gamer, but I do have this ritual that I perform every year. I buy the latest copy of FIFA. I win the Champions League back to back with my club Juventus, and I don't touch it again until the next year's edition is released. <laughs> People say to me, "Bro, you want to play me online? You want to play me, bro?" And I say, "Fuck off." <laughs> I don't want to play you online. I don't want to play you in person. I don't want to fucking know you. I play against the computer only. Because if I lose and I throw a tantrum, the computer isn't going to send me messages all week calling me sad shit dick. All right. I can rage quit a game. I don't want to be put in a position where I have to rage quit a friendship. I don't want to do that. I'm a bad combination of intensely competitive and intensely incompetent. I can't risk playing against the human being. In addition to only playing against the computer, I play semi-pro. It's the second easiest difficulty. I want to win every game at least 7-0. I'm not interested in realism. I'm not interested in bettering myself. I'm interested in vicarious conquest. I don't want to hunt bear. I want to hunt pheasant at close range with a machine gun. Well, it's not going to be FIFA next year anyway. They, uh, they haven't signed the agreement. Yeah. They've got to change the name. I'm a bit nostalgic. I still play FIFA 96. Uh, you're living the in the past, Mel. Right. Actually, 97 was better with the indoor soccer. But anyway, that was just... We'll yeah, I'm sure my age. I haven't played since FIFA 98. I had FIFA 98 on my Pentium 75 computer. 
and that's where it stays, and that's where it stays. Cheapest colours, most people don't know what you're talking about. I have, no, I have FIFA, FIFA 18. It's FIFA 18. Yeah, I wonder. I don't, I don't know. They're not going to call it FIFA anymore, so I wonder whether probably be EA. I think they, I think they're going to call it FC. They're going to call it FC because EA, EA Sports is yeah they've they've lost the rights. Mm. Um, so EA Sports will probably release a game, and then I, I would imagine FIFA will probably collaborate with a different company to to release a different game. The Pro Evolution, yeah, uh, the dollars. Pro, Pro Evolution's dead too. They, they stopped. They stopped making new games. They've just continued to update the one from 2019 over and over again. But Pro Evolution sucks too. <laughs> I've never played it. <laughs> Pro Evolution is the original Piemonte culture because you'd you'd play and they'd have just none of the teams. You're playing Merseyside Red and London Blue <laughs> and the, the Chelsea and Liverpool, and all of the teams are fake except for you know a handful of teams in Spain. Yeah. And now. Now they've got Juventus yeah. and also Lazio, Roma, what? and Atalanta. Yeah, that's correct. But it doesn't yeah. surprise me that like, the Italian clubs will look at any kind of revenue stream they can get at the moment. It is pretty hard. Well, to yeah, they're all, the now they're all getting into the crypto tokens and all this yeah, kind of stuff. And, which, and esports and that sort of shit. And, well. and someone, someone actually sent a message to, uh, you know, we're doing the, the Q&A mini episode each week as well. Someone sent a, a question about, these crypto tokens that all these clubs are getting into is it is basically asking do you reckon it's a scam? You know, it's just now, donations, really. We didn't we didn't do it on the show because it's not not Nikki's and Mina's bag. You know, it's not it's not the area of knowledge. Yeah. So we, we let it go. But I <laughs> I think that's all a scam. Well, it's it's not going to be a valid nah, currency. Well, no. the theory was that you you're meant to transfer it for things like game day tickets or merchandise or some shit like that. You can use it to spend back at the store or whatever it is, right? Something like that. That's not what it's going to be because it's not going to be that. It's just going to be everyone holding it and thinking they're going to be thinking going they've to, got a, a piece of the club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's all it's going to be. And and I, it's all the Italian clubs and the, the Spanish clubs that are into it because they're the ones that are trying to grab any sort of revenue stream they can get, which is why I was saying to Mel the other week, which is why I find it weird that Saudi Arabia have chosen like Newcastle. Not that Newcastle doesn't have the ability to, because they got a shitload of fans. They're the biggest club in Newcastle by far. I get why you would do it. What I don't understand is why buy a club when you're competing with six other billionaires? Like, if you want to compete and win and become that, why wouldn't you not buy a mid-tier Italian club or something like that who would easily be able to do that? That doesn't make sense to me. It's just so much easier to do it in the Premier League, though, because the, the, the TV um, deals that all of the, even the even the bottom Premier League team makes more TV revenue than the entire budget of probably the 14 or 15 uh, next clubs in Italy, you know? So it's only it's only the top five or six that would have any kind of money like that. So, and especially now that Ronaldo's left Juventus, yeah. Exactly. So from an exposure point of view, yeah, you could, you could if you're, if you're the, the Saudi Arabian public fund, which is basically the entire country of Saudi Arabia purchasing Newcastle, similar to how Qatar and, and Abu Dhabi have done it with PSG and Manchester City. If you're them and you think, well, okay, do I buy even even say, do we buy Fiorentina, which who have a pretty good owner right now, but let's say a, a Fiorentina size club with all the work you need to do on the stadium, including purchasing the stadium, because chances are they don't, you know, most most City clubs they 
they rent the stadium from the council. They don't even own them. So you have to purchase the stadium. You have to do infrastructural improvements to it that haven't been even close to updated since the, the Italy World Cup. Um, not to mention the cleaning up the fan base, racism, um, getting, getting, getting season ticket holders to come in. You go with Newcastle, they've got a great stadium that's already built. You don't have to worry about shit like that. All you have to worry about is getting the right kind of manager in and team that can build a football culture and then slowly purchase players that can make them competitive. The thing is, now you're, you want to do that. Man City's already doing that. Chelsea's already doing that. You yeah, got, I don't think mm-hmm. like Saudi Arabia don't care about winning yeah, the I know, Premier no, League. No, I understand. No, it's no, the exposure it is, and, it is, and the ease of it. I, I get it. Like Anthony's saying, compared to the the hurdles you're going to face if you buy a Fiorentino. We didn't respect. This is, this is the sport washing we're talking about, right? We get that. And, and yeah, I'm not saying that. Sport and washing. And the thing is ego as well, right? So they, I totally think yeah, it's ego. They want to be, well, I think it's purely ego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Saudi Arabia want to be bigger than Qatar, want to be bigger than the Emirates. Yeah. So I get all that aspect of it, right? And now from a, well, you're the public investment fund, so on fake value. If you're talking about an investment, right, you're assuming... Right, that this team is going to compete for the Premier League, right? So they have to do that. Yeah. That's the first thing. Now, you're competing with six or seven big clubs just to get there. Right? Now, unless you're in Europe every year, right, why would players want to... Yes, players will pay for you for money. But if you're not in Europe, you're not playing for the prestige. Right? So you need to make it there to get half-decent players that are even in there. You could go to Italy and pretty much guarantee you any of the Champions League games. Champions League every year, if you want. They could buy AC Milan, right? Now, the thing about the stadiums and all that sort of stuff, I get that. But they're about to sink 200 million pounds to buy players to Newcastle. The stadium in Italy would cost you nowhere near that to build. Well, what did you 200 million pounds? What did you make? That's just one year, one transfer season. They could buy the stadium and build one if they wanted to do that, if they needed to, right? But what you're up against in Italy is look look at Roma. They've been trying to get shovel in the ground to start a new stadium for more than 10 years. Italy, they can bribe who they want to bribe. It's fine, all right? That's not a problem, okay? You know that's the case, all right? Two two or three lots of American owners in Roma have got... Yeah, but American owners are the the complete opposite of those other owners. American owners are in there to draw money out because they know how sport teams work, right? That's American owners. American owners are very, very different to other owners, Russians, whether they be Middle Eastern or whatever, those guys are sinking money in because it's all about ego, right? That's all they want to do. So all I'm thinking is, well, why would you want to compete in that area? I, th- I think cynically, I just think it's a much more appealing project to do Newcastle. So say, say you compare it to, to Milan, right? They buy Milan, they invest a little bit of money on the transfer market. Um, you know, they keep Stefano Pioli, who's just one of my favorite coaches that I don't think you can do much better than him. Um, you you buy you buy a team that is deep enough and competitive enough to compete on both a Serie A and a Champions League front, and then what? You 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 know PSG have not won the Champions League yet, uh, despite all their investment. So no matter how much money you throw into it, you can't buy the Champions League. The Champions League is won on a, on pedigree. It's it's won by having an institution that is a winning institution that plays great football and they sort it out. Which is why you haven't won the Champions League for forever. Etc. Etc. So all they could really do is get Milan to win Serie A if they were to invest in a Milan. I think Milan are going to win Serie A anyway this mm. year, with yeah. or without um, Saudi Arabia. Whereas if you look, if you if you think about the project at Newcastle, and it's not just the Arabs that are making this decision, they have their English emissary. I can't remember what the woman's name is. Um, anyway, I'm not going to remember what her name is, but she she's sort of the 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 go between because it's not like the public investment fund are going to give all of their money to Newcastle. So there, ha- there has to be this middle person. 
And I think the appeal of bringing Newcastle from, I mean, right now they're going to get relegated, mm-hmm. but to move them from there to then being a solid mid-table club to then competing with the likes of Aston Villa, Leicester City, Everton, and even the likes of Tottenham and Arsenal right now, that would be the next step. And then the next step would then be to get them into the top four. And then we're talking about competing for the title, which frankly, I don't think half the owners of the big teams give a fuck. I don't think Manchester United's owners give a fuck about winning the Premier League. Otherwise, they would have a good coach. So I don't know if the project is to eventually win the Premier League. I think the project is to slowly over the next decade. Man United, American yeah, they owners. They just don't care. They, they just, don't give a shit. They don't give a shit. They just want to keep dipping into the profits, which, which is what they've done. The hmm. Saudis should buy, um, they should buy Olympiacos. <laughs> What's your what what are your leanings in in Greek football or, or do you have any at all? And also, I, I want to talk about your Greek background versus Italian background. Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know the differences that you see and the similarities that you see. And but anyway, do you have a, do you have a Greek team? Or do so you I was, Greek I was actually going to raise this before. Okay, I was going to raise this before when you were talking about how sweet it is to suffer with your club uh, as you support Roma in the face of the monolith that wins all the time. I'm a Panathinaikos supporter. Oh, they have a little enemy. Roma and and Panathinaikos have a little bit of a gemelaggio. The fans kind of um, have a bit of a romantic relationship for some reason. Just, I think, because of the friendlies they've had. had, Anyway, sorry, go on. They've also swapped a few players over the years. Um, and so Panathinaikos win one title maybe every 15 years if they're lucky. So they are the major rival to Olympiakos, is that right? H- historically, yes. But in the last handful of years, uh, Pauk and Ajax have been much more competitive. Panathinaikos are probably the third or fourth most powerful team in Greece. Uh, the corruption in Greece... In- but Olympiakos still, are still the Juventus of Greece, right? Oh, yes. Yes. The corruption in Greek football puts the corruption in Italian football to shame. It's, uh, it's just, it, it, the football's just shit, so no one cares, but it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. Um, there was a, so there's a, the passion is probably three times as much, though, from the, from the fans. No, 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 no. no. I, 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 I don't think so at all. Oh, man. I've seen videos where they go mental in the curvas. Oh, okay. Well, then maybe maybe it depends on your definition of pass of uh, passion, because I think gr- Greek men just go to football to express their rage, right? <laughs> <laughs> Aggression, not passion. Okay. There was a guy called There's a guy called Marinakis. He's the owner of Olympiakos, but he also owns Nottingham Forest in England, and they wanted to buy a guy called Taxidis, who, if I'm not mistaken, played for Udinese a little while ago. Uh, but he plays for um, he, play, he played for Olympiacos, and they wanted to sign him for Nottingham Forest, but Nottingham Forest couldn't front up the transfer fee, so Marinakis just fired him, just terminated his contract, and signed him as a free agent <laughs> for, from his other club. You sound like you have equal Greek accent and Italian accent, like ability to to, to speak with both accents when you say Italian or Greek words. Am I right there? Uh, yes. So you speak so both languages? I, um, I do speak both languages. I I was raised. I lived with my Greek grandparents for a little while, so I had a pretty good. I had a pretty good basis of um, of Greek. And then when my parents got divorced, 
my mum's first cousin from Greece, who's the same age as her, also divorced, came to live with us. And he was basically my father figure from maybe 14 to 17 years old. And he didn't speak any English at all. And so he was basically my best friend in this time. And I learned to speak Greek basically like a Greek would. Um, and he's the one that indoctrinated me for Panathinaikos. And then all throughout my younger years, you know, you go to you go to Nonna Nonna's house and they speak the thickest Sicilian imaginable. Uh, yeah, yeah. Where in Sicily uh, uh, are they from? Um, so Nonno is from a town called Camporeale, and Nonna is from a town called Rocamena, which is on the up, which is on the hill that's opposite Camporeale, and they're both maybe a uh, 15 20 minute drive from Palermo. Right. Okay. How about you? My mum's side is from a town in provincia of Messina called Sinagra and my dad okay. is uh in Naso called which is right next to you might have heard of Capodorlando which is a, a, um, a popular coastal no. town. Um yeah, they're, okay. they're in the, the Messina province. Yeah. And I've been there many times. You, have you traveled traveled to both countries a lot yeah 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 in, in 2018 we went and we did sicily and i hadn't i hadn't been since i was maybe 10 years old and i personally don't think there's anywhere better to travel to be honest it's uh there's no better food in the world than sicily it's beautiful i mean i struggle with italians i mean like italian italians not 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 us i mean Ooh. italians i find them very difficult uh, so that's something that I have to engage with, but we're, we're very, we're worlds apart, aren't we? Like, <laughs> you know, we don't yeah, see ourselves as Aussie. Human beings. We don't see ourselves as Aussie, but until you go there, you think you're Italian and then you go there and it's like, uh, you're, you're very different in way of yeah. thinking, way of working, working, just, just, just our general existence is completely different. Yeah. A hundred, a hundred percent. As much as I love it, and I, I do, I do feel at home there, but I eventually do feel very grateful for the real homes, which is here. You, you, know? can, you can understand why people love life over there. Like I get it. Like you go for a siesta, you know, you go, you go to have a piazza, you have your coffee, you know, you know all those sorts and of things. Cheap. And it's cheap. Well, I, I get that. And then I wonder, like, yeah, your economy wouldn't be so bad if you didn't like go for a siesta. And you didn't go for a coffee in the piazza, and you did actually went to work. You know, you might. I don't think it's that cheap over there. No, oh, certain places, certain places. If you go to the the bar in the local village, all right. If you get an espresso for eighty euro cent, that's basically a change. Two two euro, dollar. The difference is then they're not working. Like we we will live and we we work a lot, and then basically we work a lot. They don't work a lot, and I get why you prefer that kind of lifestyle. But it, it is different when you get there. You think, man, like the difference is I'm. I mean, it's not so much, you know, that they have the, you know, three or four hours siesta and you know, things like that. All right, that's their culture and that's never going to change. But things like, things just don't work. <laughs> I mean, much more so in, in the yeah. south than in the north. And we've seen it, we've been there together, Mel. Yeah, shopper, shopper. Every, yeah, shopper, every shopper. strike every five minutes, you yeah. know. <laughs> the trains, the buses. Scusa, dove è l'autobus per l'auto? Non lo so. And, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, no idea. potholes in roads that are there for 20 years and, you know, the machines at train stations, you're trying to buy a ticket. Broken. There's a row of 20 of them. They're all broken. You, 
all this kind of stuff. Trying to get information out of people is fucking it's a mission. You know? Nobody gives a shit about helping the other ones because everyone's more the the, the term is football, right? Yeah. Everyone's getting one you know, smarter, everyone's getting one up over the other one. That's that's maybe it's because there's sixty million of them living on top of each other, so it's you know, it's a bit more of a rat race. But I don't know. There's also, like, I spoke to one of the, uh, so basically the manager of, so you get the Patronatals, you know, all these Patronatals where they do things for Italian citizens overseas, right? So I spoke to the guy, one of the guys who manages Australia, Canada, um, South America, does all this. And he basically said Italy has the most laws in, in Europe. Like, they have the most laws of everything, right? The problem is they nobody enforces that law. So they've got a law for everything, but no one actually does anything about it. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's just the way it is. They'll, they'll bring something in to fix something out and it doesn't achieve anything. It's just that's just the way it is. No one does it. And it's the constant battle that you got over there. There's, a, there's like, a, there's like a, a social cultural discord in, in, in Italy as well uh, and, and it, particularly in the south. I remember noting that. So we've got my nonna side of the family are all still in Sicily, but my nonna side of the family moved from Sicily to Torino, so they live there. So we've we've been able to um Very been able to visit both to see to see relatives. Yeah, exactly. We work at the Fiat factory. All right. Um, and I remember we we were I had I had been doing comedy for about a year, and we tried to explain to my Italian relatives in Sicily what it is that I do. And it's it's so first of all, there's no direct translation. It's it's cabaret cabaretista is the closest thing. Cabaret, um, so like so like cabaret. Yeah. So I'm. Wouldn't they say comico? You're you're a comico. No, 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 because apparently a comico a comico is a, is a guy is a person in comedy movies, but oh. somebody that does a live somebody that does a live show oh. is different. Apparently, it's a cabaretista. So well, that makes sense because all their comedy stuff, I and mean, you know, if you've if you ever watch Ray TV, what a shit show that is. Mm-hmm. All their comedy stuff is about doing skits on variety shows. And it's pathetic if you ask me, but they yeah. seem to love it. So it's rare mm-hmm. to see an Italian stand up. Although there is a guy in London, I can't remember his name, but I've actually seen him and he's pretty funny. He's got a thick Italian accent, but he takes the piss out of his own, out of, out of our own Italian in London and, you know, and vice versa. Yeah. There's two or three stand-up comedy specials that are Italian people, that are Italian guys doing it in Italian on Netflix. Right. I've, uh, I've saved them to my to my list, but I haven't had the balls to go and watch it yet. Um, so, so we um, nat- naturally, me being put on show in front of these relatives in Sicily, they wanted me to try and translate one of my jokes oh, no. uh, to them, which which never goes well no ever. But I thought I would translate the most simple joke that I had, which is about KFC and we stumbled at the first hurdle because they didn't know what KFC was. And I thought... She was made at McDonald's. What do you, you know? You, well, yeah, I could have made it McDonald's, but but then the joke doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I wanted to... I wanted to, I wanted to say KFC and they had never heard of it. And then I Googled it and there are like 242 KFCs in Italy. So it's not that there's not, yeah. they're not there. But in Sicily... They don't have access to the internet. It's just that in Sicily, there's none, I don't think. But... You know, you have the internet. It's not. It's not difficult. They they just are so insulated. Whatever ha- is happening in the village is their life. That's it. Everything that yeah. goes on outside, we don't care. <laughs> totally. It's weird though. People, people talking to people about doing stand-up comedy is weird. Like no one ever knows how to respond. We were in Italy recently. We were telling my Italian relatives what I do. The direct translation for stand-up comedian in Italian is cabaretista. Give you that again. It's cabaretista, so cabaret. 
right? So these guys are under the impression I'm up here like, hello, my baby, hello, my honey. Lost in translation. It's weird though. People just don't know how to approach you. Last year I did a big show like this and before I went I was I invited my girlfriend's uncle to come along and he was so pumped about it. He's like, oh, stand-up comedy, that's so cool, amazing, I'm so excited. I just, I never would have guessed it, you know, because you're not, um, you're just really not, you're just not really that uh, funny. <laughs> now I'm millennial, so believe me when I say, I thought about getting offended. <laughs> But then I thought about him and his profession and his suitability to his profession. And I, I said it to him, I was like, hey man, you know what, that's fine. I was very surprised to hear that uh, you're a security guard. Because you're so insecure. And what about Greece? Like, you know, how would you compare? Greece is, Greece is Sicily, but Greece is Sicily, but the whole country. Right. <laughs> well, they, they, they took over half of, of Sicily for a while and there's still a lot of influence there. I only know that I've seen much influence 100%. when I've been there because I suppose I just, maybe I'm not just not as aware of it. Well, there's the, there's the ruins at Agrigento. Yes. They're, um, they're pretty great. Uh, but other than that, and uh, you know, um, Sicilians just being a little bit more handsome than the rest of Italy, there's, uh, there's really no evidence. I totally agree. Well, I disagree with that. Yeah. But funnily enough, <laughs> funnily enough, in Calabria, there are there's one or two towns like in the middle of Calabria where they are basically Greek and speak Greek and and have the Greek flag mm-hmm. up in the piazza. I saw a documentary about that's it. That's actually the Greek, the second largest Greek church or something outside of Greece. Or... Amazing, amazing. They've just kept this Greek culture. You would expect if that's going to be somewhere, it would be in Sicily, but they actually took hold of, of Calabria as well. Back in the, oh, they probably had all the southern, southern Italy, Italy probably all the way down. Probably had some Greek influence back then. I mean, Pythagoras from was, Calabria. Was, just saying, just say, oh, just saying. It was a big was master Greece, of mathematics. Was Greece that bad that they had to go to Italy? <laughs> <laughs> no, they needed more olive trees, right? <laughs> they were just running away from the Turks. <laughs> we we grew up with um, me and Mel went to school together. We actually played soccer together. That's how we met. Unfortunately, at a, at a need- club called Balcata Etna. All right, so obviously created by Sicilians back in the yeah. 70s or whatever. My knee injury, mate, ruined my career. We live, we grew up living about six or seven houses apart on different streets, but about, about six or seven houses apart. And then we went to high school together, and we went to we, we we had a number of Greek friends that we that we went to high school with. The majority Italian, um, but yeah, we we did we did have Greek Greek friends. Grew up with Greeks as well. So and there was always that you know undertone of rivalry Italians versus Greeks. But at the end of the day, um, they were pretty much pretty similar to us. They told us what the Greeks were words. Did you do? Well, that's, that's kind of the story of my life. You know, I'm, so, I'm surrounded by Italians and Greeks and all the Italians, to them, I'm the Greek guy and vice versa with the Greeks. Uh, you know, not, not accepted fully by any of them. You know, it's all your, your half. You're not both, you're half. Uh, and then they, they all think, you know, Italians couldn't, possibly think they're any more different to greeks and same for the greeks but to everybody else it's the same fucking shit <laughs> yeah right so i'm i'm caught right in the middle of all of this well you're caught no matter where you are because over here you're in between italian and greek and over there you're between italian and aussie or greek and aussie so yeah you can't win wherever you are you just gotta i don't know move to india i can't maybe. win no matter i can't win no matter where i'm at and so i i'm i'm I'm, I'll fin- I'll, I'll, I'm concluding somewhere here uh, that I hope I hope is interesting. But I, uh, 
I've found myself really frustrated because I never wanted to, you know, I, I love, I love Joe Avati and I, you know, I've opened for him a few times and I love all of the, the, you know, traditional wog comedians that, that you've, that you, I'm, I'm sure you guys all love. I was so influenced by them when I was a kid, but I, I never wanted to be, when I started comedy, I didn't want to be just that, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to do jokes about my entire life, not just my ethnicities. Uh, so the show that I did at the start, I had you know a little bit about being Greek and Italian and I compared my nonno to my papu and stuff like that. And then the rest of it was completely different, just normal jokes that had nothing to do with my ethnicity. But people feel tethered to to culture and people see uh people people need simple stereotypes to grasp onto so despite the fact that i only had a small proportion of my material being related to my my ethnicity i'm the italian greek guy that's who i was immediately and my videos that are about my ethnicities are the most popular ones and you sort of just get pigeonholed as that and so my next show that i'm that i'm going to tour next year is called don't call me a wog <laughs> and it's it's kind of it's kind of talking about, like you guys say, that being caught in the middle, that the, the Italian guys, I'm Greco, the Greek guys, I'm Italian mm. guy, Aussies are like, you're just wog and, and, and the rest is what it is. And, and, you know, I just, I feel like me. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of discussing how I didn't want to be pigeonholed as the wog comic, but I'm also a little bit a wog comic, if that makes sense. I'm goddamn proud of my heritage, so you can believe I'm going to make fun of it, you know? I'm half Greek, half Italian. I tell people this, and they have one of two reactions. They either say, oh my goodness. That's so exotic. Oh, they say, mate, isn't that the same thing? certainly not the same fucking thing. They're two very distinct brands of craziness. That'll probably cement your pigeonholing <laughs> even further when by calling it that. But but that's, you know, it, what works works, right? So, so yeah, great. Right now, I couldn't I, I couldn't care less. I, I'll be pigeonholed. Just give me give me money. <laughs> Got to work. That's true. I say but I say to Mel all the time like like not, having growing up, you grow up Italian, we in Australia. You know, you have a blend of cultures. I can only imagine doing half Greek, half Italian in yeah, Australia, right? Amplified big time. Also. Like, having said that, though, you can go anywhere and I think you just learn to blend. I think people forget that benefit we have. We used to learn to, like, Melo, I reckon, has got a face around. He could totally he could, he could fit in any country. I have he could, been called uh, so many different countries. Yeah, uh, it's amazing, actually. I went there. to America. I was Puerto Rican. <laughs> <laughs> I went to China. They called me Indian. Mm-hmm. I went to Malaysia, um, Salam. I was Lebanese, yeah. and then I was Iraqi. Oh, it's Becky, wasn't it? No, that was another one. And then I went to another restaurant, and I'm sitting down, and this guy comes up to me, excuse me, sir, I don't mean to be rude, but can I ask you a question? Of course, far away. He goes, what culture are you? What, where do you come from? Well, I said, well, I'm from Australia, but my parents are Italian. And he looked at me and goes, Italian? I said, yeah, I'm Italian. And... Um, what happened was he turns around to his other waiters and says, 
no, no, he's Italian. And they're like, ah, <laughs> taking shit. Yeah, they're taking I get, ah, shit. And I said, no, what's taking bets. They're taking bets. I was like, wow, what do you think of him? You look Uzbekistan. Uzbek. And I'm like, what? Yeah, Did you look Uzbekistan? I was like, yeah. okay, that's a new one. Mel looks at them all. I love it. Because I'm like, we always discuss, Mel looks at fitting in South America, no North problem. America, Australia, Italy, Greece. He could fit in India if he needed to. He could fit essentially anywhere but China. Anywhere but China. Stick it out. And he sticks out like sort of time in China. But anywhere but China, Mel was right. And I think like growing up with different cultures, it helps you like, you go somewhere and you just, I don't know, I think you feel like you just learn to blend. You learn to blend with everyone. You understand. And you just, you accept it for what it is. You're not, not, not you're actually the opposite of pigeonholes. Yeah. You, you just, you go about the flow. That's what it is. And you accept it and move on. So I think you're like, you maybe later on down the track when you're a bit older, you'll look back and go, ah, oh, you appreciate some of the, like some of the, the differences as much as it made it hard growing up. It makes it, um, I don't know. I, I think you, you, you have better stories from it. So I say. I, I would agree. I would agree with you in most contexts, but let me tell you in the, in the world of stand up comedians where everybody needs to have a niche, I have always been the Italian guy and they, and they, they won't talk, you know, I'll, I'll wear, I'll wear, I remember this one time I was walking around in Melbourne, which during the comedy festival and I was wearing just a blue t-shirt and this one comedian sees me and he goes, Oh, you're wearing the Greek flag today, huh? And I said, no, I'm just wearing a blue T-shirt, but they can't. They need something to tether it to. Having said that, I think if you went overseas and did some comedy, you would no longer be the Italian comedian. You'd be the Aussie comedian straight oh, up. Guaranteed, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be Aussie. No matter if I went overseas, I'd be Aussie. You know, you mentioned Joe Vardy. He's gotten quite popular. I think in Canada. Um, yeah, Canada. I'm, I'm not sure about America. There's but a lot I've of seen, colour I've seen Canada. some of his skits from actually in, from on stage in Canada. Yeah. So what? So what is he kind of pigeonholed as the Aussie Italian guy, or over, like in in America and Canada? How does that work for him? No, he's he's he is the premier Italian comedian. But so they don't they don't have an equivalent like an, a Canadian equivalent of him or an American equivalent. Of well, is that Sebastian? Sebastian Sebastian Maniscalco. Yeah, oh, he's I love him. Sebastian Maniscalco. Sebastian Maniscalco is is basically taking the Joe Vardy formula and applying it to a much grander scale because he's American. Yes. I was going to say, he's more like you where you mix in a lot of general comedy, not just ethnic comedy, right? He's got both. You've got both. Yep. Um, and Joe Vardy is pretty much just the ethnic stuff, hey? And he's, you know, jo- Joe, I've spoken to Joe so many times about it. I just can't understand how this guy was selling out theatres in the United States in years like 2000 and 2001 with no social media, no YouTube, none of that. He was just able to market himself that well. If I remember correctly, I think it started with a bootleg CD or whatever that, that just went around. Everyone was making copies back in the day right. when we used to copy DVD. Because right. I remember I brought, one home, I brought it home, his first, his first CD, put it on for my mum, and at the point where he's talking about his nonna telling him to go out to the back shed and feed me do patati. My mom was on the floor because she was basically saying, that's my mom, <laughs> you know? So he just hit, hit the nerve more than anyone ever had in Australia. But basically. we never thought of that as comedy. That's the thing. Oh, I was never, it wasn't I, just comedy, it was life. No, but that's exactly And what, that's what my mum was seeing. Which, which is she what? was seeing a, a reflection of her 
childhood in Stuart Hill. He took a niche yeah, yeah. that, like we, I, it wasn't, it wasn't a joke. That's just what happened, right? And then he's explained them. We're like, that's shit. That is a joke. The, the school and camp. He, he, what, what he did, what he did was, he shone a, uh, he, he held up a mirror to everyone's life growing up that you didn't realize was funny. He showed you this is what this is. I'm observing how you grew up, and when you look at yourself. You know, kind of like looking at your life from above kind of thing. That's what he did for everybody, for, for Italian Aussies. And made everyone realise the humour in it that they hadn't quite picked up before. Mm. Yeah. That's what we say really the essence of comedy is, uh, especially stand-up. It's you're, you're repurposing a thought that people had subconsciously. You're repurposing things that people know Jerry and you're, you're framing it in a different way that they wouldn't have thought of before. And that's why jokes work because your, your, the audience's brain clicks and there's, Oh no, I do think that I do relate to that, but I just never would have put it into those words. And that's why, that's why comedy works. That's right. It's, it's Jerry Seinfeld humor 101, it, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. Joe Vardy baby responsible for my favorite, favorite joke ever because it's very, very niche. And I thought it was hilarious. So he basically started a show with um, any Australians in the crowd, you know, yeah, hey, here. And he goes, I've only got one question for you. What was school camp like? Because I never got to go. <laughs> <laughs> to me, to, to me, that was absolutely hilarious. Because I never, and, and my wife was like, why are you laughing? I was like, because I never got to go. You don't I wasn't allowed to go to school camp. I wasn't camp. allowed to go to school camp, right? Mum said no. And that, that, that is so niche that I, I think that like, that to me is probably one of the funniest jokes I've ever heard because I was not expecting him to ask that question. And I was like, man, that hit a nerve. I never realized I had it, right? Yeah. That's more, more correct for, I think, our, our parents' generation mm-hmm. not being allowed to go to school camp. We went to school camp. I, but I, we I, took I, our yeah. Italian sausages and Italian bread. You went to school you camp. Went to school. I, never I wasn't allowed to go to school camp. You came. You not, were there. Year six, I wasn't allowed to not go. Not in primary school, mate. And the other one that, got, that was hit a nerve was funny when he said, open the margarine, the flora, and open up. It was olives. Yeah. I still cry because oh, my nonna did exactly the same yeah. thing. And Olives. we still do it now. It's a perfect container for it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Those little things that I don't think like that they are. I I think of them as niche, right? But I don't know how that must have been extremely common. But I never would have thought how common that concept is, right? Yeah. And there, there's an art. There is definitely an art to something like that. Finding something so common, so obvious that it's not really that funny. He puts olives in a margarine container, big whoop. But just the, the the whole situation is hilarious, man. The, you know, the kid coming in expecting to find whatever it is, ice cream, whatever, and you find, you know, olives marinating. <laughs> but there's some that transcend the ethnicity. So when they talk about the biscuit container, you have yeah. a biscuit container. But and, what, and is, what is amazing is that everyone did the same thing with the same round blue yeah. um, containers. You know, you've got the sewing kit in there and that kind of thing. My wife's uncle. <laughs> I could I could bring you the sewing kit. Yeah. You know the the biscuit container. You know it's it's amazing. They all had the same thought patterns. It's not like they were sending text messages around. You know you should use this for your sewing kit. They just all did it, and it was all the same. But incredible. but that's the thing. None of us would have ever queried that as odd that we just grew up and the kit was in the tin. But yeah. they didn't realize how global, how culturally significant that was for all of us. Mm. Really, that's amazing. There is, there's an art to picking yeah. that stuff up. You know? It's it's a it's a brilliant way that it brings the um, Italian Aussie community together when these subjects come up, like we're talking about right now, showing you know how 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 sane we are and insane we are at the same time, and kind of showing how we're different to just the general Aussie population. You know, it's it's about that 
that community, I suppose, when it comes, you know, the down to the, the root of it. And also remember, I don't know, probably before your time, I think it was uh, Acropolis Now with George Capignac. Quality, absolutely quality. Wog's out of work, Wogorama. George was my um, my gateway into into working with all these guys because I got to do a, a cancer benefit with him and he was the MC and I did comedy and, and he liked me and so he introduced me to the other guys. I There was a DVD special release of Acropolis Now in 2004 or 2005, I think, and I got it and just mowed through all of them and, and I, I loved it. I, I thought it was the best. Great show. And definitely on YouTube still watch a few highlights. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. Yeah, they do. What are your thoughts about the, firstly, have you seen the Dave Chappelle special on Netflix that is causing a lot of controversy at the moment? Of course. Um, so me and my good friends, good comedian friends, we do this cool thing that we started this year where we will all watch, somebody will, it's like a book club, but for a comedy special. And then we do a Zoom call every Sunday and we discuss it. And when that came out, that was first on the list to to do. And so, so I've, I've discussed it. Uh, I've got, I've got thoughts. Uh, a, I don't ever think that any, any topic is off limits. Uh, it's what, what Dave is saying is, um, call him Dave, like we're mates. Uh, what he's, what he's saying is, uh, it's far from hate speech. If you, if you listen and you, and you pay attention to what he's saying, he's actually being quite inclusive and accepting and he's 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 talking about accepting different minorities and different uh demographics from a, a completely open perspective and in in the face of things you might have thought before so say you do have these prejudices about transgendered people that doesn't mean that you can't be friends with them that doesn't mean that you can't accept them as human beings uh and the i think the the, the where he where he causes controversy is by saying you you can't tell me that you're marginalized as a white transgender person because I am I'm a black man in America. So you you know, we're we are still significantly more marginalized than you, which as soon as you start comparing, um as soon as you start comparing suffering, when you start comparing uh minorities, it gets a little bit it gets a little bit hazy. So I, I don't know if that was a good idea, but that's how he feels. So you go for it. My whole issue with the whole thing is that it just wasn't that funny. Um, I, I love Dave Chappelle. He's, he's one of the greatest of all time. He's one of my favorites. When he came back from his giant hiatus and he produced a few Netflix specials, uh, I thought at least the, very, the, the first three or four um, specials that he did on Netflix were just fantastic, his best. He was so much better at comedy when he came back and they were fantastic. They were so funny. And I really liked how there was... There were joke, there were his classic jokes, and then there was also a little bit of sprinkling of the joke is funny because of who I am. I'm Dave Chappelle, so you know my son knows is going to go and meet Kevin Hart, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The problem with this one is is that at least eighty percent of the jokes rely on the fact that he is Dave Chappelle, which is really lazy. Um, and yeah, I, I just don't think it's I don't think it's funny enough to justify stirring up the controversy that he has. I'm not saying that I disagree with the opinions that he has or otherwise. I'm not saying that it even matters whether you agree or disagree because uh, it's comedy at the end of the day. Uh, but the idea that he should be banned from Netflix is just like the, the, the most popular show 
uh, of the last two months is about Koreans just getting massacred brutally, and and we're gonna we're gonna take we're gonna take Dave Chappelle off, and we're not gonna take that off. It's kind of incongruous. Yeah. Well, so far Netflix have, have held firm, it seems, and hopefully they they continue yeah. to do so. But I I totally agree with you, and and it, I I like that you put that perspective on it about it not being that funny and relying on it just being him to, to be considered or perceived as funny. Um, I think, yeah, it's largely storytelling more so than, than being comical because he tells the story about his friend Daphne. But I think the key line to the whole show to show what his real feelings are about transgender people is when he says um, something about it, she's just having a human experience. And that mm. to me was the line that just went, that's it. You know what I mean? It's just another human experience that someone's having. He's recounting that to you. And it's a completely different human experience to the one that we're having or that you're having, but it's just a, a human experience. And that's the key to, to what his real opinion is on a trans, uh, transgenderism, let's call it. He's accepting of it, and then also he 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 finishes that he he the 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 actual closer to the special is he says he talks about potentially meeting his friend's uh, daughter or son yep. and saying, you know, I I knew your father, uh, she was a wonderful woman, which is it, it just encapsulate it, it encapsulates everything that he's trying to say. Absolutely. I might believe X Y Z, and people might think X Y Z, but if somebody wants me to treat them in this way. Of course, I'm going to treat them in this way. We're all humans. Yeah, very well said. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it in for the most part overall, but it's just emblematic of cancel culture these days. That you know, people, it's I call it the rent rent and offense crowd. You know, everyone just wants to be a victim and wants to be offended because I don't know they're broken and they're broken as a as a community. I'm not talking about gen, transgender community. Just people in general are just so broken these days that they just need to get attention by by calling themselves victims. I don't know. Which Dave, Dave Chappelle is right. Of all the things to get cancelled for that he's previously done, I'm like, oh, this is this is the one? Like, Dave Chappelle has some real, like, real intense skits, especially early on. Early on Chappelle show stuff, I was like, well, I don't think you could do that anymore. Right? Like, a lot of the stuff he did then. And I'm like, well, this, I don't know. That seems like they just all of a sudden decided this is the point they want to do something. And I kind of find it ironic that they're trying to cancel um, Dave Chappelle Dave Chappelle kind of cancelled himself he was the first to, to cancel himself he just took off didn't want to do it anymore right? so I'm like I find it ironic that you're trying to cancel a guy that to be honest I don't think would give a shit if he stopped working tomorrow like, I really don't think he would he's got enough money he doesn't really care and, million in the bank. and that's why he doesn't give a shit yeah. and he's actually said it he's done another uh, you know, another stand up before and he had uh, since then sorry and he addressed it and he basically said I'm not backing down I don't give a shit fair enough I think uh, probably probably one of the more most important points as well is that at no point in the special does he tell people how to think. He 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 always fosters thought with with all of his material, but at no point does he ever think you guys should think this. This is how I feel, and you guys should feel this way. All he does is recount, you know, a handful of stories that have happened to him and how he felt in the immediacy, and then how he felt retrospectively having given thought about it and like that's kind of what art is mm -hmm. if you don't agree with it that's okay you can watch something else you can consume different art mm -hmm. um and 
to 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 go to start a tirade or or a manhunt and say that this shouldn't be available for anybody to see ever it's well, like where where does the buck end with that i'm not you know i'm i'm not discounting the fact that a lot of people might have watched it and been really really upset and been really really offended and that's terrible um but i can imagine a lot of people watching squid game and getting really really upset at seeing a whole bunch of korean people get shot in the head uh no spoilers in case anyone hasn't <laughs> seen it um so it's um yeah it's I, I would I would imagine that a lot of people that were going up in arms about it either haven't even seen the whole thing or haven't seen it at all and are just going off what the the sort of echo chamber that they inhabit thinks, yeah. which is one of the bad parts about our society at, at, at the moment as well. You just you listen to your mates and you listen to your Facebook feed. All right, Anthony, we've uh, we've been going for a bit, an hour and a half or so, so we, we uh, better wrap it up. But um just to end up, uh, where can uh, our listeners find you online and etc.? cetera? Uh, so it's anthony.locash, uh, L-O-C-A-S-H, on Instagram. Uh, and you'll you'll find me, my links to TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, et cetera, on there if you, if you are so inclined. There's the Kevin Lasagna pod uh, face, uh, Instagram page as well, which will lead to all the links to that podcast and um yeah i'll i'll be i'll be touring next year and i'll i'll uh, three third times the charm i'll be in perth next year so uh hopefully uh hopefully we can do this again in person guys because it's been a lot of fun thank you so much for having me on brilliant i reckon we could probably um keep talking for another three hours because yeah it's been really interesting 100 percent. we didn't get enough to talk about juventus but part part two part two and our hate for inter <laughs> Uh, we didn't go into that enough, did we? Uh, Just quickly, the 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 penalty in the Inter Juventus game was it a penalty or not? Of course, of course it was. <laughs> of course it was a penalty. Absolutely, I agree. Yeah. He 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 karate kicked him. He you know yes he was trying to clear the ball. Yes, it was unintentional, but it's on the line, so that means it's in the box because it's on the line. And he violently kicked Alexandro. As clear a penalty as you can. On one hand, and I think I think Nikki mentioned this on the podcast, mm-hmm. the fact that the ball is gone and it's not the 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 foul isn't impeding the play at all sucks because you you know the the traditional penalty that you that you want is player dribbles into the box, he gets hacked, penalty. But either way, by the letter of the law, it's a penalty. I don't know what anybody's complaining about. It's very very straightforward. Uh, it's only inter people the, complain. The fact that the ball had gone is actually irrelevant. Yeah, exactly, exactly. A player was kicked in the penalty box. It's an open shut case, basically. It's a penalty 100% of the time. And that's it. This, this is not controversial. That's it. It's not controversial at all. And I didn't like I didn't like the rhetoric coming out of the game either that oh, Juventus stole it. They were they were not the better team throughout the game. Uh, I think it was pretty even. I think Inter's goal was extremely lucky. Like it couldn't have been any more perfect for him. It deflects off Locatelli. It hits perfectly on the crossbar and lands at Edin Dzeko's feet. Like it's how, how could you how could you get more lucky? And I, I don't I don't know about you guys, but the moment he put Paolo Dybala on, who's just my favorite player, it, it looked like Inter were going down. Yes, I think we uh, agree on all fronts there. In our agreeance that it was a penalty correctly awarded, and our 
distaste for uh, Inter Milan. Shared hatred of Inter. Shared, <laughs> shared hatred. <laughs> All right, Anne, thanks, mate. Um, Thank really appreciate you doing this. And, and we've, yeah, for this amount of time as well, we've done a hefty podcast here. So it's brilliant. I'm sure that uh, we can eventually do it again. Um, so to all, or in person? In person, even. Um, a few quiet ales? Um, over an espresso, you know. Or, and, do, we, or uh, do we do it the next day when we're hungover? <laughs> That's a bit more my style. I'll be there next year, guys. I, I know. I know it. I can feel it in my. I can feel it in my hot Italian Greek blood. <laughs> uh, but thank you, thank you for having me on, and um, keep up the great work with the podcast, guys. I, as in, as in Cedar Chronicles, it's it's awesome. It's it's quickly become my favorite pod. Brilliant. So well done. Thank you. Man. I appreciate, appreciate that. And for all our listeners, make sure that you go and listen and subscribe to the Kevin Lasagna Appreciation Podcast. Uh, and your other one, the hack. Yeah, hack, hack pack podcast. If anybody's interested in hearing uh, opinions by comedians that don't mean anything. <laughs> Brilliant. All right, All right. Thanks, mate. We'll talk again Thanks, soon. Really and, uh, yeah. Take care. Take care, gents. So, um, like I said, half Greek, half Italian. There weren't a lot of Greeks and Italians at my school for me to relate to, but I, um, I grew up around a lot of them outside of school, which was weird because um, none, none of the groups really accepted me. They, they always made me feel like a mutt, like a filthy mudblood, and I never got accepted by either of them. The Italians would always call me Greco. The Greeks would always call me when they needed money. It was hard out there for a pimp, you know, and uh, Greek... Greeks and Italians, they're incidentally the only people that give a shit what the difference between a Greek and an Italian are. They would, they would always ask me this ridiculous question. They would always say to me, Anthony, do you think you're a more Greek or more Italian? Do you think you can? I'm like, no, 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 guys, it's 50-50. That's how that works. I know that it's 50-50. I'm like, no, 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 no. What I meant was, uh, do you feel more Greek or more Italian? Like, how do, I, how do I want me to answer this question? How do I, how do, I do this? Like, what, what, how do I feel? Like, what do you want me to do? Go on, go on WebMD, type in my, my symptoms. Like, all right, uh, shit at soccer and I live off past glory. Tick for Greek. <laughs> but I grossly overstate the importance of my art for wider societies. Tick for Italian. I'm shit with money. Tick for Greek. But I'm not above doing some shifty shit to get money. That's tick for Italian. I'm hairy, I've got a beard, I've got eyebrows, thick as cafe toast. It's a tick for both. <laughs> but, but, I'm never ever creepy around women. Ever, never, never creepy around women, so that's a tick for neither. <laughs> WebMD diagnosis, even Stephen, guys, 50-50, tick for both. Found out recently I'm not allowed to get married in either one of the churches, though. Um, I spent a lot of time in Greek Orthodox Church growing up, but I'm not baptized Greek Orthodox, baptized Catholic. But when you're 12 years old and you're Catholic, you're supposed to have your holy confirmation. And my parents got divorced around that time, so I never got around to having it. So I'm not allowed to get married in either church, which makes me a religious free agent. And guys, all of the major franchises are after me. I've been fielding offers from all the big boys. Jews came in pretty strong, they were pretty keen for me. They've seen my game tapes. They've seen how much I complain and how small a mistake a waiter needs to make before I decide we're absolutely not tipping today. And folks, they're impressed. It actually seemed like a match made in heaven, but uh, we went into salary negotiations and they, they lowballed me, so I uh, couldn't do that one. The Hindus then came in pretty strong. The Hindus were pretty keen for me. They said, look, we've got a pretty stacked roster this year, uh, maybe next lifetime. 
But then the Muslims, the Muslims are the most keen of them all. The Muslims are really, really keen for me. They, 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 they came in very strong. Now the Muslims are coming off the back of a couple of pretty shitty seasons, you know. They'll basically accept anybody with residual teenaged angst and a decent beard. But they were only offering a short-term contract, so. Thanks for being cool with that one, guys. <laughs>